Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football. Of course, the NFL draft was over the weekend, so we're going to talk about that. We got Coach Harvey Hyde here on the show, give his opinions on all things USC football, and kind of go back and uh, one of his takes that ended up being a hot take about him picking Jack Sears to be the starting quarterback, a lot of people liked it, a lot of people don't. People, it's very divisive, I guess you could say, as far as who's going to be the next USC quarterback. So we're going to talk to the coach about that. You can follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde, Instagram, at Coach Harvey Hyde, or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. If you have any questions for us, hey, you want to tell us something, give us your opinion, ask us a question, all of that, you can email us, podcast, at uscfootball.com. Com, or if you'd like to call or text us, you can do that too. 424-254-9141. We got a couple texts to read from you all today, so we'll do that. Of course, wherever you subscribe to the podcast, iTunes or the Play Store or whatever, leave us a five-star rating, some kind of positive review. Tell your friends about the Parastyle Podcast. We keep this going all year long, off-season, on-season, whatever it is. We keep it going. We've been doing this. It'll be our 12th football season. So if you got some USC football friends out there, make sure you let them know, hey, you might want to listen to the Peristyle Podcast. And we do appreciate you doing that, sharing that, and listening to us as always. All right, let's bring in the coach, Coach Harvey Hyde. How you doing today, sir? I am doing absolutely fantastic. Uh, sort of a, not a downtime with the NFL draft uh, being exciting this past weekend, but College football sort of, uh, you know, now goes into a period of uh, graduation and and uh, summer workouts and uh, all of the things that uh, we normally talk about this time of the year. But I think that hot, a hot topic is, of course, the NFL draft. Also, uh, for all of you that got involved in the podcast uh, last week uh, regarding Jack Sears, as I always say, Mine is only an opinion, and you can agree or don't agree, but uh, if I was starting uh, a quarterback, as I definitely stated, at uh, the next Saturday after spring practice, I would have started Jack Sears. And I said, well, stick with that, and if you want to talk about that, we can talk about that too, Ryan. Anything you want to talk about. Yeah, for sure. So the NFL draft stuff's going on. We got a few questions. Uh, USC actually picked up somebody from the NCAA transfer portal. So we'll talk about that a little bit. We had a question about Reggie Bush and uh, being disassociated with USC. But I thought a good place to start is that Jack Sears take. Uh, and, you know, maybe I helped this out a little bit when I promoted the show. I, that was the first thing I said. It was like, hey, Coach Harvey Hyde uh, picks says that, you know, if a, there was a game tomorrow, Jack Sears uh, would be, in his mind, the starting quarterback and like you mentioned the uscfootball.com staff i think everybody uh felt like jt daniels was further ahead uh but you know you're the only four well i guess dan was a former high school coach but you're the only former division one coach we have among us and you were the guy that picked jack sears we mentioned this before um there are a lot of people especially you know orange county guys both jack sears and jt daniels orange county guys but feel 
very strongly about who the quarterback should be. Uh, they look at the Arizona State game, and the people that are Jack Steer supporters are like, he was way better. Um, you know, he should be the starting quarterback. But it it's kind of strange to me, Coach, that there people have such strong opinions. I'm like, I, I think JT Daniels, but it's not like I know 100%. I'm just, that's just my opinion from watching practice and stuff. Um, kind of get your thoughts on all this because it did uh, cause, a, I don't want to say controversy, but, you know, got a lot of people talking uh, when we posted that show a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah, it did. And, uh, again, uh, I appreciate hearing your con- uh, your comments. Uh, some of you pretty strong, which you have an opinion to do. But uh, I want to go back and, again, uh, and I'll give you an example on the draft, too, of why I mentioned Jack Sears. Uh, uh, I look at this offense as an offense that is a passing offense. But it has to have a running offense to balance it out. You have to be able to run the football. And I think uh, Kingsbury, Cliff Kingsbury, understands this more than anybody because he made sure in his draft he had the number one draft choice in Josh Rosen, but that wasn't what fit his offense, okay? Mahomes fits his offense. He's got to have somebody that's an athlete run this offense because you have to really get away from the rush and you have to be able to do certain things, be athletic, to make this offense go. Now, I'm not saying that J.T. Daniels can't throw the football. In fact, I think he can throw the football better than Joss Rosen, okay? Now I've got Joss Rosen's parents upset oh, at me, okay? Not. Yeah, you're going to uh, you're get some yeah, emails I'll from the country club. <laughs> no, I, I will, which is fine, okay? Uh, and Joss has got a great opportunity. He went down there now to Miami. He'll have a chance yeah. to play. He'll make $3 million a year. Congratulations. All of that. Yeah, don't feel bad but for Josh. He, he handled himself, I thought, throughout that thing, compl- you know, offside, like, that video he put out yesterday and everything, I think he's handled this uh, really well. I know there's a lot of USC fans that hate uh, you know, hate him, Josh Rosen, but I think he's going to do well there, Coach, and I think he's handling this very well. It's a tough situation oh, yeah. for him to be in. Ryan, I agree with you. I think Josh Rosen really handled it well. I really do, and I think he's got a great opportunity in Miami. Uh, $3 million a year, three-year contract, got an opportunity to play. I think it's absolutely fantastic, and he isn't just thrown in there that I, he's the starter, all the pressure, no offensive line. I'm not sure how good Miami's offensive line is, but he's somewhere where he and they should build an offense around him. While at Arizona, that's, that's not what they need. That's not what they're doing. They need a athletic quarterback like Mahomes was at Texas Tech and also uh, uh, like uh, – Murphy, a number one draft choice. They needed that type of player. You know, what what can I say? At Texas Tech, Kingsbury got fired, but he didn't have one of those. So uh, Graham Harrell comes in, and he runs the same offense, basically. They always have their own little tweaks they do here and there, and he had an athletic quarterback down at North Texas State. So as I mentioned to you, I think JT Daniels is a great passer and has great success, but does he fit what it takes to win? Now, if Clay Hilton doesn't win, you know what happens there. If Graham Harrell doesn't get the offense going to its best, you know what happens there. So what best type of athlete should be playing quarterback in this this offense uh, where you call power right and the tailback runs off tackle just like the single win, wing? Or you run a lot of draws, uh, and because everybody's dropping off, and uh, you might get hit if you don't slide per, uh, properly. 
So you got to have more of a physical type of player that can take a hit and so on. So that's why I picked him, because he's a little bit more mature. He's got great athletes surrounding him. Uh, I made a statement that got everybody mad, because I said if you ask the players who would start, uh, I would say they would say Sears. And everybody, how do you know this? What do you know about that? All these kind of things that I get. Well, you know, I know something, a lot of things more than what you think I know out there, okay? And I'm not saying my number was correct, but I, kids want to win too. So that's what I said if the game was that Saturday. And I also said, uh, you know, when you come back in the fall, you got to be able to challenge that depth chart. And I think that that's why Matt Fink on the jet depth chart they showed him said, well, it's time for me to move on because yeah. I think they had him fourth. So, you know, these are just now at the end of spring. But that's why I said that, and that's why I'm saying, why did Kingsbury go through all what he did to, to get Kyler Murphy? Because he knows it fits what this offense does. Yeah. And I think that that's the same thing Graham Harold has to make that decision, too. Does he want his offense to work to on uh, high-octane gas, 91, or is he going to run it on 87? Yeah. So I think that's exactly what it is, and we'll see what happens, you know? I've been wrong a lot of times, and I've been right a lot of times, but I think that at the end of spring, that's what I would have done. Yeah, Kyler Murray obviously going number one overall in the draft, and uh, the prediction that uh, Cliff Kingsbury made when he was at Texas Tech that he would, you know, if he was had that opportunity, he would pick him. Never thought he would have that opportunity, and he did, and he did end up picking him. And uh, you know, a day or so later, uh, Josh Rosen signs, uh, or they traded him. I think a second round draft pick. Uh, to the Miami Dolphins. So I think, you know, I think it's good for both teams. You know, uh, Arizona gets the guy they wanted and Kyler Murray. We'll see, you know, the first quarterback ever drafted in the first round who is under six feet tall. So this is a you know unique situation there. Obviously, the first player ever to be drafted in the first round of both the uh, NFL and uh, Major League Baseball drafts. So Kyler Murray is certainly a special talent. And then Josh Rosen goes to Miami, which seems like a pretty good situation there, too. So we'll see how all that works out. It's the NFL draft, though. It was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Thursday was the was round one. I was trying to start to watch it, and they didn't make a pick for like 25 minutes, and it's 10 minutes between a pick. So it took a while to get through all 32 teams. Then I uh, went a little faster on uh, Friday where they did the second and third rounds, and then Saturday was kind of a crazy day where they do uh, round four, five, six, and seven. Uh, so all that went through. USC, for the first time since 2002, did not have anyone selected in the first or second round. Uh, Chuma Doga did make it into uh, late in the third round. So the offensive tackle going to the New York Jets with the 92nd pick overall. Uh, next off the board was cornerback Iman Marshall. Uh, he went in the fourth round, 127th pick to the Baltimore Ravens. He could end up playing Safety in Baltimore. Uh, we'll see how that turns out. There's also uh, Marvell Tell, who is a safety at USC, but the Indianapolis Colts list him as a cornerback uh, on their website. He was a fifth-round selection, 144th overall pick to the Colts, as I mentioned, and then also in the fifth round, a little bit later, pick 162, linebacker Cameron Smith uh, was selected by the Minnesota Vikings. So they got some pretty good linebacker depth there in Minnesota, but those were the first. Uh, those were the four USC Trojans selected. USC still the number one 
program in the country, 509 overall draft picks still held off uh, the over, you know, number one uh, first round draft picks. So, uh, you know, that might change in the next couple of years. But USC's holding on to those leads, uh, but didn't really do themselves a lot of favors. You know, four guys drafted, it's okay. Uh, but no one in the first or second round, Coach. I don't know what you thought overall of USC in the NFL draft. Well, I think it's about what I anticipated. Uh, I didn't expect anybody else to go any higher than that. You know, I don't want to sound like a broken record. But I sometimes do because it, the same topics come up. I always felt Marshall was played out of position, and all of a sudden they decided now after four years that he should be an inside guy. I always said he didn't feel comfortable at a corner. He didn't have the speed to play a corner, and he should be inside. Uh, one time I said he should have been a linebacker, outside linebacker, where he's a tough kid, likes to come up, doesn't have to want to, you know, have. You know, when you have a lot of pass interferences, it's because you're, you're afraid you're going to get beaten, you, and, and you, you do things to try to win. He didn't do any of those intentionally. He just didn't have the confidence he could cover the guy, okay? Well, that should be a way of indicating to you that he's not uh, doesn't feel, feel good about the position. So I've said that for four years, so probably the NFL might convince you guys that that's where he should be, and I'll probably get some comments on that. But I'm just telling you my opinion. As far as Tell is concerned, he's an inside safety. Uh, he's not a corner. He doesn't have the speed to play corner. Today in the NFL, I'm going to tell you, you better cover some guys. These guys, 4-3-4, four, 4-4. Four, four, four. I mean, these type of kids. I mean, you better be a quick uh, player. I don't think he has the speed to play corner. I think he's an inside safety type of guy, free safety type of guy, middle fielder. that can teach. Somebody's got to teach him how to be center field and like a center field baseball player, because uh, I think that's what he is. As far as his body frame, he's got to get a little bit more physical, too, as far as uh, gain a little weight, muscle tone, and so on, which would might slow him down a little bit, but I don't think he's a corner. But, of course, the Colts have uh, spent a billion dollars in scouting him, or whatever they spend, to, uh, or the NFL has, to uh, select these athletes, you know, an interesting point, do you realize that 33 players uh, who uh, were drafted that didn't attend the Combine? I don't know how many people know that. I didn't, re- no. that I didn't realize that. That's yeah. a pretty big number. And 117 that went to the Combine were drafted, 117. So uh, it, Combine isn't always good for you. They find out a lot of things about you and more uh, about who you are and your strength and speed and all of the above. But that's a stat I wanted to throw in there right now. And then, uh, uh, let's see, we said Marshall, we said Tell. Oh, yeah, Chuma. Chuma was a lazy football player in college. He had all the ability in the world. They just didn't bring it out of him. Finally, someone told him, you better wake up. You're a pretty good athlete, a five-star athlete, and holding and delay a game and all the different type of things he had, a legal procedure. There's no excuse for that. But down at the Senior Bowl, he has athletic ability. He came out of high school with athletic ability. So Rich Sneed, who scouts for them, I know him. In fact, he played for me. Uh, he's with the Jets, and, and he has talent. They just got to motivate him. When you take a player in the third round, he's going to make the team, okay? Anybody in the third, fourth, or fifth round, you're going to make the team. you got to have players. So 
they're planning on him being a right tackle. And now, again, he has to push himself if he wants to play for pay. And I think he understands that now. Sometimes kids don't get uh, motivated or they don't wake up or sometimes coach doesn't get to him or whatever. But he's a talented player. So they took him in the third round, and that means if he does what he's supposed to do, he's going to make the team. Uh, who's the one I'm missing? Oh, Cameron Smith. Oh, yeah. Cameron Smith, uh, uh, I look at him as he's going to get as good as he's going to be. I mean, he's he's reached his full potential. He can't run any faster. He can't get any stronger. He's who he is. This is, you got to like him, good kid, play hard, do all the things now. How do you fit him into your defense? How can he help you? So you look at him and you say, he's a two-down guy. He's not going to run 4-7. He's not going to run 4-6. He's not going to be able to do certain things. But on first or second down, he's a good kid. He can line up in the proper place. He can play special teams. And he'll make the team because of who he is. So, you know, they're all exactly about where I've been, been, I've been saying. These things you're hearing me say, you've heard me say all the time. And uh, I'm saying it again, Cedric Ware. I was, I was, I was really surprised that Washington wasn't it Washington that signed him or drafted him at the end. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll go over we'll go over the the uh, we'll go over those guys now. So um, yeah, okay, so, go ahead. But yeah. that's that's my feeling on those guys. It really is. And and you know you can agree or don't agree, but that's how I've seen it for four years, and that's how I see it today. All right. Um, so those are the four players that were drafted. Uh, one of the notable guys that was not drafted is Porter Gustin. And, uh, you know, there was the news that came out that there was a failed drug test and his agent came out and said it was for Adderall. But, you know, the NFL doesn't tell you what the failed, you know, what the test was for. My thought going into it, coach, was sort of, well, if he doesn't get drafted, um, there were certainly injury concerns. People, that was the thing that he had to kind of answer questions about throughout the process at the combine and at USC's pro day. That was the most, you know, most common question he was asked was about the injuries. Then this comes up and he's a workout warrior. And then people could be worried about PEDs um, and things like that. My thought going in coach was if he doesn't get drafted, there was potentially something else besides what his agent said Adderall that he tested positive for. I uh, don't know this for sure. That was just my speculation. Then he wasn't uh, wasn't drafted and he wasn't signed right away. But just, you know, we're recording this on Monday, uh, you know, late morning and, you know, maybe like a few minutes before uh, we started recording, um, the report came out that Port Augustine uh, signed as an unrestricted uh, free agent um, to the, uh, what's it called, to, I'm sorry, to uh, the New Orleans Saints. So he did sign uh, with the team. He's landed there, uh, you know, a free agent contract there. So, um, you know, good good for Porter Gustin. He's going to get a chance to prove himself. But that was my thought going in, Coach, that if he didn't get drafted, it, there might have been more concerns, you know, piled on with the injury concerns uh, with uh, this, this drug test. Well, you know, uh, he's a kid that likes to work hard, but he's a kid I've talked about on this show how many times. Uh, he was a weightlifter. Uh, I've talked about that. Uh, 
the way he dressed at practice. The coaches let him get away with cutting his shorts off way up high. Nobody else had him cut his shirts off. We could see his arms, uh, uh, all these different things. And then the injury factor certainly didn't help him. He's been injured. Now, the drug testing thing, I don't even want to comment on any of that because I don't know anything about that stuff anyway. But, you know, when I look at his Instagram and I see that, I don't know how many have looked at his Instagram. Have you? I did, yes, and, Coach. That, well, what do you think of that? I mean, really, what didn't that look like a weightlifter to you, not a football player? And I think that that's what these little things when you're a tweener, and I'm talking about a tweener being, are we going to draft this kid? We only got seven draft choices in most situations, or are we going to try to sign him as a free agent? I don't really think he had a great career. I mean, as far as uh, agility-wise, I always felt that, yeah, he had some pretty good stats on sacks and so on, but I always said I'd run at him because he can't get off the block, and, and he didn't contain always. He lost contain. He did some things. He was more or less an undisciplined player, yet he's a physical specimen. So you have to put all this into... Uh, perspective and I don't blame Porter I believe blame the people allowed him to get away with all this and not telling him what he needed to do as far as work on your weaknesses not your strengths and his strength was a power guy he spent hours in the weight room he was the leader in the weight room good that's great but you got to do the other things too and I hope New Orleans and the Saints work on him in these areas where he becomes a better football player, but he wants to be a football player. He loves the game, but he became an individual too much rather than a team player. And I'm not the only one that saw that. Scouts saw that. People saw that that were football people, okay? I mean, a lot of you didn't agree with me, but that's as a football coach, it's more or less what we see. Are we recruiting a me guy or weightlifter? He'd be great at the WWE. I mean, you know, the scarf he wears on the head, all of that kind of stuff, okay? I don't want individuals. I want team guys. So I think that hurt him a little bit. Not that he can't make the NFL, but I think he needs to work on agility, not as much in the weight room, dress like everybody else dresses, and become a team player. You know, he, um, to be fair, though, even after he got injured this past year, he was leading the Pac-12 in sacks for like a month without playing. Oh, I playing. know. Um, I know. So there's I some... know. I know all that. Yeah. But that, that doesn't necessarily do that. You know what I mean? You're just in a predator. You just come across the line of scrimmage and, and bull rushing. That's the only thing he knew what to do. No, I, I, and I and think there's, make... yeah, there's some fair criticisms there. I think his Instagram, where he feels like that's his strength, and he says sometimes what you're, you well, think you're greatest. Well, tell people to take a look at it and how you'd make an opinion. Yeah, okay? you know, yeah definitely go so check it out. Tell them what it is. Take a look. Yeah, go take a look, and then. But you know, one of the things he said was, "Where you feel your greatest strength, uh, you know, what you think your greatest strength could be can can be your, uh, you know, end up being your greatest no, weakness." Did. You know, so. Yeah, but he learned it too late. See. Yeah. Why should he learn it that way, the hard way? This kid should have been told those type of things and understood that. And uh, you know, I'm glad you're supporting. I support the kid. You ask me questions, and I tell you, yeah. okay. No, no, I if feel like he could have got like better. It, don't ask me any more questions. Yeah, I feel he could have got better support from USC. There's probably some things where they put him in when he was injured and they shouldn't have played. 
Um, you know, it's great that, like you said, he's a leader in the weight room, but should he have been, you know, like <laughs> that's why you got, you're paying coaches to do things like that. So yeah, there's, I mean, I, you know, I, I think there's mistakes all around, but he is a, you know, I like him a lot. He's a good kid. Uh, I want to see him succeed in the NFL. I think he can, you know, and I think he was whatever lessons he's, I think he learned some lessons. We're not exactly sure what those were. Uh, we don't know exactly what was going on, but it sounds like from his Instagram post, he did learn some lessons and he's going to move forward and we'll see uh, how he does in New Orleans. It could end up being a really good thing for him or, you know, you just might see it peter out and you don't hear from him again. But uh, I, my gut feeling is he's going to figure th- some things out and, and have some, uh, have some success in the NFL. Um, Couple other. Well, yeah, let me oh. just let me just say this so people don't think I'm I'm just uh, negative on the kid. I'm positive on the kid too. I'm telling you that these are the things that that why he's a free agent. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And I want him to have success too. Okay. And I think he's a great kid too. We're not talking about if he's a great kid or a bad kid. We're talking about exactly why and what happened. Okay. Right. And the injury part of it is something that you can't have a player that's getting hurt all the time when you're paying him money. So this is the type of thing that you look at when you're in the business. The NFL is a business, okay? College is a business, too. Now there's no more amateur athletics anymore. But it's a business when you're getting an employee that you pay a lot of money to and you expect results. 100% agree there. Um, All right, let's move on, Coach. Other uh, USC Trojans that could have been drafted or free agents, so we'll go through them quickly. So Chris Brown, the offensive lineman, uh, he signed locally the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, so good for him. Toe Lobendon, the uh, center who played other positions, um, we'll see where he moves to, probably going to be a guard. He signed with the New York Jets, so um, nice for him. He's going to join uh, a whole bunch of uh, USC former USC players like Sam Darnold and uh, Deontay Burnett. Uh, over there, Akacetric Ware didn't sign, but he was invited to the Washington Redskins camp. Um, so you have uh, you, you mentioned him already. So he's not a, he hasn't signed a contract or anything yet, but he is uh, he'll be going to camp there and can kind of prove himself. Uh, Jenny Harris, the uh, USC's nickelback, he signed with the Philadelphia Eagles. He tweeted out, "Here I come, Philly." Um, so he's pretty excited about that. We already mentioned. Um, Porter Gustin and then uh, Malik Dorton, the defensive tackle. He signed with the Oakland Raiders, uh, soon to be Los Angeles. Uh, I mean, not Los Angeles, Las Vegas Raiders. But he's uh, Malik Dorton signed there. Uh, guys that didn't sign yet: um, Jordan Austin, uh, the offensive lineman, cornerback Isaiah Langley, uh, cornerback Jonathan Lockett, tight end uh, Tyler Petit. So um, those are the kind of where some of the USC players landed. There's usually bigger lists, I guess you could say, Coach, like more people and stuff. But um, that's kind of what the the lot of this group uh, from USC, sort of kind of how we expected it to go down. Um, and uh, that's that's where USC ended up. Just not not a great class for USC going into the NFL draft. No, because I don't think the players really reached their love and their potential and their success. But that's the way it goes. And, uh, you know, young kids today look at all these type of things and where they're going to go to school. They want an opportunity to get better. They want a place to go where they get national exposure. The coaches are at the NFL draft with them, Dabo Sweeney, and you see, you see David Shaw doing the commentary, you know, and the players hugging their 
coach and hugging their parents and four guys going in the first round and all of this type of stuff does nothing but enhance the visibility of their programs. And uh, I think that that has a lot to do with recruiting as far as the exposure. Clemson right now, according to a lot of polls, and there's a lot of polls, uh, has a 2020 number one class, Alabama number two, LSU number three. Why? Because of the visibility of their program and because of the draft choices and all of the above. So I think it's very good. I was surprised the Pac-12 had 33 drafted players and they beat the ACC, which I think is is a good number for the Pac-12, only behind the Southeastern Conference of the Big Ten. Uh, So, but... uh, uh, you know, three in the first round uh, is is okay, but not really out there like it should be. And uh, I just uh, think that it uh, you got to be good at everything to be able to be successful today at the level of competition that USC wants to play at. You got to have great draft ch- uh, classes because that helps you in recruiting. You've got to have all the things going for you to help you in recruiting because recruiting is your future. And then uh, bringing them to that potential that you recruited them on is what it's all about. So, you know, they're going to have to overcome some things, USC. And, of course, if they win and get things going again, they can bring it back. It'll be a process. It's not going to be something immediately. Uh, Currently right now, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, they're ranked about 44th in recruiting for 2020, which is not really something that a USC football program should be ranked at. But they've had to overcome a lot of things, and they got to continue overcoming it. And I and I said, and I'll mention this again: they had a better spring than they've had before. They got a little bit more physical, but there's still areas that they need to get better at. And everybody's singing the praise about this and that. Everybody, and uh, you know, you don't sing praise about anything. You say we got to get better. You got to beat people. You know, people can see who your name is and how many games you win. That's what they're looking at. So uh, that's my statement on that. And, uh, you know, everybody's going to say he's always negative. He's always negative. No, I'm realistic. I'm telling you the way I would look at it. If I'm an athletic director or college president or whatever, if we want to play Division I football and play for a national championship, do we want to pay a coach $93 million? Do we? If he wins like Pete Carroll won, did we want to give him a $93 million contract? I don't know. Ask that question. Because yeah. that's how important it is at other universities. Yeah, what Clemson did, obviously. And then for USC, only three commitments so far for the class of uh, 2020. So, yeah, not a very high ranking. But, you know, you got Bryce Young, the five-star quarterback at least. But so far, not a uh, big class or anything. Um, we, you mentioned, you started talking about the PAC 12. We're going to do that real quick. Uh, we got a text from Marcel and the IE, the Inland Empire. Was anybody from the PAC 12 drafted on the first day? Is Larry Scott concerned? And I'll give you some, some stats. Cause I'm going to, I'm getting ready for my podcast of champions. If you haven't checked that out, just, uh, you know, wherever you, you download the Peristyle podcast, you can look at PAC 12 podcast or podcast of champions. Um, we cover the PAC 12. We do a show every week. But here's some data, uh, and a lot of this is from our buddy John Wilner, who does a great job covering the Pac-12 from the San Jose Mercury News. So no Pac-12 prospects were picked in the top 10. That's the first time since 2007. And for the first time since 2014, only three players were selected by the Pac-12. It was a light load that reflects the lack of high-end upper-class talent this season. 
In contrast to recent years, none of the selections were from USC, UCLA, Stanford, or Oregon. They accounted for 10 of the 14 first-rounders in the prior three drafts, and there was no Pac-12 quarterbacks picked in the first round after four had been selected in the uh, the past four drafts. So, But if you go by school, Pac-12 actually did okay. 17 um, play, you know, uh, 17 different players drafted. Oh, was it? Oh, for um, I'm sorry. Per school over the last six drafts, the Pac-12 is right up there uh, with the SEC, with 204 players drafted, 17 per school. Only the SEC uh, has more. And then for this this go around, 33 Pac-12 players were selected. Uh, the SEC had 64. The Big Ten had 40. The ACC had 28, and the Big 12 had. 26. The The problem the Pac-12 has, Coach, is the average rounds taken. Uh, the average rounds for the other five Power 5 conferences, that they have, the Pac-12 has the worst average. 4.34 is the average round. So the average Pac-12 uh, selection is in the second half of the draft where it's better, uh, closer to the first half of the draft for the, the other four um, Power 5 conferences. So, And then Washington had the most... In the Pac-12, Utah second with five, Washington had eight, Utah had five, Stanford had five, Oregon and USC each had four, and then Arizona State, Washington State each had two, Colorado, UCLA, and Arizona had one, and Oregon State and Cal had nobody drafted. So that's the kind of rundown, quick rundown for the Pac-12. Well, you know, another part of that question was, is Larry Scott uh, concerned? Well, first of all, he didn't know if a football's a Blown or stuffed, okay? Uh, uh, he, you know, he, it's a conference of champions, which it certainly is. I mean, this weekend, the USC wins the Pac 12 in lacrosse and beach volleyball. Congratulations to Lindsey Mundy and also Ann Collier. Tremendous event, tremendous uh, program. And, you know, and uh, I think they don't get the recognition that's necessary. I had Ann Collier on my show, and I'm going to have Lindsey on this week. I just think that what they do is tremendous. But I think also that the programs that people evaluate as strength of your athletic program is football because it's nationally broadcast continuously. And uh, the NFL, of course, makes it even bigger. That's the best run business around. I mean, they have their draft when the NBA play. I mean, the NBA playoffs going on, they have their draft. The combines go on during March Madness. I mean, they're absolutely amazing on how they can market. I think that Larry could learn a little bit of that. I think he's a great tennis guy. I don't know. The presidents bring him in and give him an extension. I mean, you can check on the Pac-12 network and how successful that is. And he he never will admit to making a mistake. And I think that you have to want football to have football be successful. And I don't hear him talk about football that often. I hear him talk about the Conference of Champions. Well, the Conference of Champions include football, okay? That's a sport in the Pac-12. And right now, I think there's only one school that really has made the commitment as far as to rebound, and that's the University of Oregon. I mean, they have 35,000 at their spring game, okay? They had a great recruiting year last year. If you total up all... The other Pac-12 teams, all of them, for their spring game totals, it's 10,000 less than what Oregon had. Now, you tell me that. 
I mean, when you say UCLA had 1,000, Colorado didn't report it, uh, SC reported 2,000. I mean, what are you talking about when other schools are having 20,000, 30,000, 50,000, 80,000? I mean, really? I mean, let's get after it, folks. And, you know, of course, you say that, well, the Coliseum is being renovated. No, they, 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 can, they can overcome that. You've got to have it be part of your university. Uh, and that's why this coming year is so important for USC and the university, because there's been so many things that have people have taken shot at the university that it's time to regroup. And what better way through tailgating and pride in your university by winning football games? And the whole conference. But I'll tell you what, people better get going because Oregon is not fooling around. And their supporting crowd is out there, 35,000 at spring game. And I just gave you the stats on what the other schools did. Yeah. Uh, we got a couple more uh, questions. Yeah. Well, Ryan's sitting there. Oh, my gosh. Is he going to get ripped? No, no, that's fine. Uh, we got a couple more um, questions. One quick thing on the draft. USC actually just tweeted this out. Uh, so 80 consecutive drafts a USC player has been selected. I believe that's tied with uh, Michigan for the most. So basically for 80 straight drafts. Um, and then the rest of the Pac-12, Utah has the longest streak. So um, there's a – it's way big. So USC's, you know, at least put someone in the draft every time, you know, for the last 80 years. Pretty impressive. Uh, we had a question. This was an email. I said, Ryan, your wife is a Tennessee fan. Does she think this guy is any good? And who this guy is, He's this is from Frank in Sacramento. He's talking about Drew Richmond, former Tennessee offensive tackle. Drew Richmond will finish his career at USC months after entering the NCAA transfer portal in January with the intention of playing his final season of eligibility elsewhere. Richmond announces via Twitter on Friday that he will play the 2019 season at Southern California. So that's from Frank in Sacramento. I didn't talk to my wife, uh, Jana, about that, but I did uh, send out a message to Ryan Callahan, who's from the 24-7 site that covers Tennessee. And what he told me, Coach, was that Richmond's a talented player, but never really got it put together uh, at Tennessee. So he started about half the games in 2016, 2017, and started them all last year. Um, so he's played a ton of football there. You know, three different years he was starting. Uh, but last year little bit of a reputation as a guy that kind of got the untimely penalties, maybe similar to what we saw from Chuma Adoga at times. There were some false starts or holds on like really key drives that he said would drive people nuts. Uh, but he said he wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if Richmond had a really good year for USC and then finally lived up to that potential that he had coming in. He thinks he could end up getting drafted and a, and a fresh start could really serve him well. So that's the kind of rundown, uh, Frank, that I got from our expert in Tennessee. I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, Coach, but the first transfer in for USC. All the transfer portal stuff has been people leaving, but now USC brings in an offensive tackle position of need where there's not a lot of depth uh, in, and he'll be – I think he graduates from Tennessee next month and then can come to USC. Yeah, I got a com. I got a lot of comments on this kid. Uh First of all, if I'm an offensive lineman, I'm going to take a look at uh, some Tennessee films, okay? Because when are you going to be sitting if this kid plays? This kid's played in the Southeastern Conference, okay? He's gone against Alabama, LSU, and I don't know who else, okay? He's got 25 starts, okay? So you have 
some type of uh, angriness or meanness in you because you practice against these great players every day and you play on Saturday. So, yeah, I would see how good this player is, but somebody's going to sit maybe because why you juggle people around? Maybe uh, someone will move the guard or somebody move uh, to tackle. McKenzie and I know in Jackson will take a look at him thoroughly. Uh, I hope he brings the mentality of a Southeastern Conference football player to USC. Uh, it's very going to be difficult for him to step in a, uh, in a role of being a leader immediately because people are going to watch him immediately. The first time they have a one-on-one drill, the first time you have any type of drill at all, the entire, all the eyes of the football players on the entire field are going to be watching him. And if he brings something that USC needs, which is toughness, experience, and comes for the right reasons, not just to come, and he's a very smart kid too, okay, but comes really to play football, not take advantage of everything else, which he is smart enough to do both, then you might have got a diamond in the rough here. So I think it comes down to Drevno and the offensive line coach to motivate this kid and find out why he's transferring, because I want to play someone who wants to win, not come to get to do other things. So I think he's a good prospect. I think he's going to wake up a lot of people in the offensive line. I think during the uh, fall camp, there's going to be a lot of eyes on him. And uh, I hope he's very successful, because I think he'll make the offensive line better just during the offseason because if this kid comes in and hits the irons and runs and he's the type of football player that can play in the Southeastern Conference, then I think he's made the offensive line at USC better. That's my comment. Yeah, I agree with you there. It looks like you know he's been, he's been playing right tackle. That's basically Jalen McKenzie's position to lose for now. So could increase the competition there, you know, drive McKenzie to be a better player. Uh, you know, they, I guess they could move him to left tackle where Austin uh, Jackson is now, but most likely he'll end up at uh, at the right tackle spot and uh, just add to the competition there where there hasn't been a lot of competition this spring just because there haven't been as many bodies. So uh, unless people were getting hurt, it's pretty much the starting five and that was it. Um, so we'll move on. One last question for you, coach. We got a text uh, from Rob in Santa, Cla- uh, Santa Clara. How can the NCAA still be telling USC to disassociate itself with Reggie Bush? Uh, why would we even listen, especially given what's recently come out about paying players? Doesn't anyone have a backbone? That's from Rob. Well, obviously, that was displayed with Pat Hayden when he was there. And uh, he said, well, I'll just negotiate this out. I mean, uh, we'll just talk it out. I'll fly back to Indianapolis and sit out with them and we'll get this all done. No, that's not how it works with the NCAA. They're a bully. I mean, they uh, do what they can get away with. And they wanted to set an example with USC, and they did. With the sanctions and everything else, and USC let them get away with it. So, uh, you know, uh, this is what's happened, and giving the Heisman Trophy back, are you kidding me? I'd have put it in a safety, and then it's safe. I've never given my Heisman Trophy back. What are they going to do to me? I mean, and take it out of the case? Are you kidding me? He won that on the field at USC. I mean, that's how can you even even think of doing something like that? I mean, put it in a box and ship it back there. I'd have had an armed guard standing by it all the time. I mean, you got to show support to your players. Now, I don't agree the way Reggie handled everything that went on. 
with that. I'm not saying two wrongs make a right. That could have been all clarified and they shouldn't have, shouldn't have happened. All of that. But I'm saying, don't tell me that we can't have him back on campus. Don't tell me this or that. And I'm not real happy the way Reggie handled all of those things, too. He could have made that where uh, nothing would have happened. All he needed to do is take care of some things, and he didn't do that. So, you know, but don't be bullying us into telling us what we can do on our campus, okay? And I know their answer is going to be, if you don't follow what we have to do, this is an organization, here they go again with their spiel, that you don't have to be a part of. You don't have to join us. You can go out and play other people. See, that's that's what their answer is, okay? But those that, that was the old days, okay? It's a different day-to-day. And I would stick up in my university. I would stick up in my student body, my players, the people that come and sell out for me. you got to have some backbone. And that wasn't shown. There was not any backbone shown. And I agree with you. I think the, the hashtag Free Reggie Bush is gaining more momentum at some point. And this has to happen soon. USC just needs to stand up and say, look, this is this has to change. Now, I know there's still the lawsuit and everything going on, so probably you're not going to see much on the NCAA side. But I think USC can come out and say, you know what? You guys figure it out. We're bringing Reggie Bush back. He's a college football analyst for Fox now. He's going to be on campus. We're going to have him come cover a practice. And uh, we're not going to disassociate ourselves with Reggie Bush any longer. So I think that would be a smart thing for USC to do. For what reason is he, you know, banned for more than ten years? Uh, Chris Weber had a ten-year ban for Michigan, and they welcomed him back. What what is Reggie Bush doing? Like, why is this a lifetime ban? Makes absolutely no sense. So, uh, thanks for the question, and I agree with you 100. percent We'll keep talking about that and uh, making people aware, and we'll that, that hashtag will probably grow and put more and more pressure on the NCAA to to finally do something. All right, Coach. Well, good stuff. We got a lot of different topics today. Uh, I guess now we just head forward to you know through the off season. The graduation's coming up here pretty soon. They'll get they'll hit the field, do some off season workouts and stuff. But you know, with the NFL draft done, that's kind of puts a I guess puts a bow on everything we saw from last year. Now it's all going to be about moving forward to 2019. I agree with you 100, percent and uh, sort of a close of uh, an era five seven season. And now it's time to, not that they haven't started working for 2019 already, but it's time to take one uh, play at a time, one game at a time, and at the end of the season, count them up. And I think that's what you have to do and, uh, you know, move forward. Yep. All right. Well, that's the coach, Harvey Hyde. I am Ryan Abraham, publisher of USCfootball.com. Just to know, we'll be back. We'll have a show tomorrow, most likely Tuesday. We'll put it up. Uh, Dan Weber and Keely Yore. And we got a special tunnel vision. If you haven't seen it, we put that in our podcast feed every once in a while, the audio version, but it's a video show, a live video show that we've been recording every Wednesday evening, 6 p.m. Pacific time. And it goes live on YouTube, Facebook, and Periscope if you are on any of those platforms. And we put it up on uscfootball.com so you can see it embedded just in our content if you don't use any of those regularly, but you can uh, call in live while we're doing the show uh, if you'd like and talk to us on the air or uh, you can, which is cool. It's kind of a cool feature, or you can go into the chat rooms of any of those platforms and we'll take your questions and, and answer them. But we have uh, uh, the new, uh, we're talking, you know, talking about the Trojan marching band for their first time coach. They have a female 
uh, drum major. So leading the band, uh, India Anderson, we're going to have her in studio uh, talking about that. That's a historic decision. And of course, the USC marching band is a great tradition uh, at USC. So having a the first female uh, leader of the band will be very interesting. So we're going to have her in studio and uh, talking to her about that. So hopefully you can check it out Wednesday uh, evening, 6 p.m. Pacific, or you can watch the replays afterwards. But watch it live. It's a lot more fun that way. Ryan, again, I want to thank all of our people out there for listening and also uh, for the texts and questions. Have a great week, and uh, we'll talk to you again. Sounds good. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 